Corey Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. Hey, ladies. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> Woo. It's Friday. I can say that right. It's Friday. <laughs> Always. It's Friday. <laughs> okay, so I was um, scrolling through my Facebook, which I usually do every morning. And one of my uh, connections, she's training to be uh, a, um, what is the word, Lori? Spit it out. She's in the process of like bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. Oh, she's Okay. Okay. My age working on this. And um, one of the things she had to do is give up drinking, which she, she loves whiskey. So she's doing this really interesting thing. Every week when she goes to the store, she buys a new bottle of whiskey that she's going to reward herself with when she's done with it. Wow. Whiskey. Every week. Every, I'm like, wow, I'm going to go to your house. That's 52 bottles of booze on the wall. Um, so she started posting this and, and it just got me thinking like, wow, there's so many out there that I haven't tried, obviously. Um, yes. But hey, so I'm, I'm curious, what is what is your favorite whiskey uh, in general or anything jumping out of you? What's your choice, your, your preferred elixir? I, I don't have one. I, you know, whenever I go to a, a, a restaurant and I order my old fashioned, I yeah. do like a whiskey old fashioned, but I always ask them what is the preferred one at this restaurant, which means that I will end up trying all kinds of different whiskey. And th that is my favorite thing to do is just to mix it up and hear what, and there's so many different takes on an old fashioned today. So mm -hmm. typically on the menu, there is something different to try. So I can tell you for sure. I don't have a favorite today. Wow, you go whiskey old fashioned. Now, for our listeners that are not located in Wisconsin, old yeah. fashions, they practically come out of the tap. I mean, that's what we drink here. <laughs> they do. Um, there they are do. bars that have them on tap. <laughs> you got Hello! it. Hello, <laughs> field trip. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I will take you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I tend to like mine sour fruit and I go brandy. I like my whiskey straight neat Ooh. so um yeah what about you guys what's your preparation of choice for the old-fashioned well I like I do whiskey or bourbon or rye um <laughs> all the above yeah um I like them sour but I prefer green olives in mine wow yeah I'm sweet with the fruit all right all right again <laughs> really we have we have some experimenting to do well I'm just so happy that we're here and uh, it's the three of us today and we were thinking like, well, we don't have a guest. Let's, let's mix it up and, and have a conversation about something that's kind of like topical and in the news. And uh, I happen to come across this really interesting piece um, put out by WHYY. They're a um, 
NPR station in uh, Pennsylvania and they do mm-hmm. great reporting. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to Terry Gross with fresh air. That's where yes. her home yep. Yep. That's yep. where she's out of. So, um, and it's, it's very in depth and it really, it's, it's examining a regional phenomenon where the manufacturing industry is just like, boom, exploding, doing really well. And yet you guys know what's coming. The labor shortage is mm-hmm. rural. challenge uh, for those folks in in across the country, really. And they just do a nice exploration of all the factors that are really limiting um, hiring in the manufacturing industry. And uh, I shared that with you guys. And I thought we'd just kind of talk about that today because, you know, that's on everybody's minds, right? Yeah, I think if it's if it's not on their mind, it should be for sure. But I, I, I think it's very topical right now. So great article, Aaron. Yeah, I enjoyed reading it. And, and you're right, it's not just in um, the, the Pennsylvania region there. It is, that's national and probably Absolutely. even um, beyond our, our borders too, I'm sure, but definitely a major national challenge is being faced. Um, what really struck me that uh, in the article was that there, um, Southeast Pennsylvania has over 10,000 manufacturing positions that go unfilled what? every year. Unfilled. unfilled. That's a lot of jobs. Annually. Man. Can you imagine that? I mean, oh, it's, it's hard it's to no get wonder stuff we're done. falling behind. Yeah. yeah. It, it attributes to the supply chain issues that we have. You know, it's people have That's the cool. orders, the companies have the orders, which is great you know, people are buying, but there's no one to fill the orders. Yeah. Yeah. And then that just slows things down across the board because anytime somebody has to be absent for, you know, family illness, what have you, you're just not able to fill that gap. And that puts so much pressure on the folks that are there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a biggie that they, did something kind of neat in that article that, you know, it's like we get, we get, little hints of these issues and they really did a deep dive. And one of the things they explored, I thought really sensitively was the sort of, um, the attitude or impression impairment for the manufacturing industry. In other words, like it's dirty, it's loud. I don't need to go to college. So it's not a good job and so forth. And they unpack that. And I just thought they did a really neat job of sort of um, dispelling those myths, but also helping us understand why they exist in the first place. Yeah. I found that really interesting, Aaron, when Um, the gentleman that they interviewed, who has now been in manufacturing for 16 years, he said, I thought manufacturing was dirty. And then he said, I thought it was like mining. And, you know, having been in a manufacturer for mining equipment uh, for many years, I never got dirty. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been in an underground mine. Now, obviously I wasn't the miner, but I was uh, selling and servicing mining equipment. So really the stigma and the belief that people have about manufacturing is still something um, that that has to be overcome. And I think that's one of uh, the many challenges that they're facing for sure. But I thought that was so interesting. I really connected with uh, his feedback there. You know, what's funny is that it's a stigma now, right? It's a stigma to be dirty and do it. And you think about in the past, 
there was also a point of pride to be like, oh, my knuckles are banged up. You know, I got grease sort of like embedded in my pores and that shows the world that I work and I've been working. Mm -hmm. And that still for many folks that are, you know, still in the manufacturing industry and might be older, that still exists. And it's hard to contribute to this um, sort of fixing the impression of manufacturing as really not being dirty because it's a, it's a point of pride and that's a huge cultural transition. It sure is. Yeah. You know, I think about it too. I have a lot of pride when I go into my garden and I get dirty, right? So I do think there (laughs) is value that you, you uh, gain and you, you feel from that accomplishment of doing the hard work that sometimes does uh, make you dirty. But I, I, that's something that I think it all has to be unpacked, right? To kind of peel back the onion and, and try to find the right people with the right skills for the right jobs, because there's all kinds of different jobs. But just to think of the entire industry as one thing would be incorrect. It, it would be incorrect. And it also, um, it, it ends up being an excuse. You know, we can't hire people because they don't want to get dirty or we can't hire people because of these things instead of finding out like what's really going on. Why, you know, why are these folks not being drawn to this industry anymore? Um, it's yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was reading something and I wanted to ask you guys a question because in the article, it says that They've been stressing the importance of working closely with local high schools, trade schools, and colleges to get more young people involved with the industry uh, and to buck the stigma of manufacturing work as undesirable. And my question to you guys is, is this a solution? Because I feel like that's what's been talked about for 20 years that I've been in manufacturing, right? So is that the solution or is there something else? I'm sure, yes, there needs to be representation in these schools, but what are your thoughts? I'm curious. Such a good question, Chris. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, You know, it's kind of funny. I was, I'm a little premature to announce it, but I'm planning an event in, um, in August and it's part of something in Madison. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin called the Ford festival. And it's a festival celebrating innovation, entrepreneurship, and technology. I'm going to be, um, working with some local manufacturers to do a panel on entrepreneurship and manufacturing. And I think my point is it gets at that, that we've had this, like, okay, the solution is that we train young people and then they'll go work for somebody. Mm. But there are a lot of young people who are excited about being entrepreneurs and we have not made the connection that you can make things and be an entrepreneur. And I think that's one of the missing links to get to your question. Like it, it's important, but no, it is not the, um, the, the final, the, the best solution, because, um, like you said, we've been doing it for a while now and we're still facing 10,000 jobs open (laughs) in one region. Right. So yes. Yeah. Well, and I love that question too. And, and I'm going to say yes and no, it's, it's, I think there it's right to get in earlier on it. If anything, I would say get in at a younger age Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, near the end of someone's schooling career, because, I think there's a lot of stresses when someone's in high school and they have to make these major life decisions with mm-hmm. very little information. 
So if anything, planting the seed at a younger stage um, in the education system, that's really sharing all the different opportunities for any sort of a, a financially stable career path, not focused so much on college and university, but ha having e equity across these are all the options you have, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, at one point, you know, we had home, I remember taking like home economics courses and then taking shop classes and co some mm -hmm. other things, which is really fascinating to me, but it was just a short little yeah. snippet of yeah. time reflecting back as opposed to something that is really embedded in the overall mm -hmm. um, educational experience. I mean, why do we go to school? We're going to school to set ourselves up for future success. So sure. why isn't this future success focused on really creating some opportunities for a career path. I mean, in all honesty, my, my educational experience, I had no idea what marketing was until I was in college, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I didn't even, I, I took a lot of art classes. And so I thought I was going to do something in, in art. And I, and I just wish that, um, I wish the educational systems would do a better job of really leaning into someone's personal interests to guide, help guide them down a path, um, that's going to be a long-term success for their career. Yeah. yeah, I I agree. And I think one of the things that's been problematic historically for the manufacturing industry is this binary that's been set up between trade and college mm -hmm. and like who you are and how you identify and which path you go down. Um, and I think that you make a good point that there's there was sort of an implicit let's just call it bias in that little, just like, oh, here, try out home ec and try out some shop. And then, but here, you know, here's what you, you know, need to have just in terms of education, but not driving people to think about how do you like to spend your time? What are you good at? And what mm -hmm. you can, what can you do into the, into the future with those natural skills and interests that you have? Mm -hmm. And that, that binary still exists uh, getting back to culture too. Um, a lot of the folks that uh, have been in manufacturing for a long time, getting ready to retire. Again, there was a certain pride, like I didn't take that path, the college path. Mm -hmm. And there's all these things and stereotypes associated with that. And it's hard for me to say, oh, that doesn't matter. Let's open it up to everybody because it's, again, it's that point of pride. Like I made this choice. And as long as we have that binary and the judgment along with whichever one you take, I think that's going to continue to be problematic as we um, seek to expand the workforce in manufacturing. Yeah, no, I, I, I really appreciate the, the things that both of you are saying. I would just add that I really think that manufacturing needs marketing for it. Uh, yeah. They need influencers. Mm -hmm. um, they need to get the message out. So some of the things that we, we do as marketing activities to attract customers, we have to start doing at the, the entire field of manufacturing needs uh, marketing to talk about the benefits that come with being an employee on, on the manufacturing floor. I think I have shared with you in the audience that, um, you know, after I left the Navy, I started working for a manufacturer here locally. 
And I was working on the shop floor. I had great benefits, profit sharing. I had um, an interesting schedule. Sometimes I'd work four 12, sometimes I'd work uh, three twelves and my schedule would be different. So I'd have these different days off and times off, but it, I mean, there, but these weren't broadly known things that you would get in your manufacturing career. And I loved it. The day went by fast. Um, you know, it was good work. I, I was, I always felt really healthy because I was working hard throughout the day. I'm a physical sure. kinesthetic. So if you can learn some of those attributes about a person's makeup to your point earlier, Lori, earlier in their, in their life and, and kind of show them that these are the types of things that you might be good at and enjoy based on your natural strengths. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think there's a lot of work to do there, but I, I would love the idea of just an influencer group out there really raising the voice of manufacturing. And I think that's what it needs. It needs a mascot. I think you're, that you're exactly right. And getting back to, you know, beating the culture drum for younger people, social media and seeing and learning and experiencing vis-a-vis, you know, a TikTok that somebody that works on a manufacturing floor might share about like, I just had a great day. I'm making this amount of money. I'm, you know, all those things can really help move more people into that pipeline but it needs to be encouraged. You know, mm -hmm. I think again, kind of some maybe um, old fashioned thinking uh, might not have folks that are, you know, your HR, your recruiting department might not be encouraging younger employees like, hey, can you help us get the word out? Yeah. Um, that might be something that could really move people in addition yeah. to being marketing, it couldn't like kind of demonstrate a cultural shift toward understanding and accepting that that's how younger people share their ideas. Yeah. That's you, right. need, you need the champions from all, all backgrounds, that's all right. the diversity to, to really be championing either a brand or just the industry as a whole um, to really get the attention of these different audiences that are not necessarily familiar with the opportunities that are available. Yeah. And it's That's, urgent, right? Because mm -hmm. of the silver tsunami. <laughs> That's yes. right. I love that That's phrase. Right. <laughs> well, it's new to me. So I, you know, I had to uh, learn something new this morning. Yeah, well, we uh, getting back to that article, and they made mention again in that in the region um, of the Delaware Valley, 30% of the manufacturing workforce is 55 and older. So there is a, this silver tsunami refers to a wave of retirement that is going to hit the manufacturing industry. And along with that retirement are going to be more open positions. Mm -hmm. Also a very substantial loss in institutional knowledge. Mm -hmm. So looking for ways to transfer that knowledge sooner rather than later um, will, will benefit all of us in manufacturing. So um, I think that's something that the show is really aiming to do is to sort of bring what we know into mm -hmm. the future and also establish a horizon that we can all move towards um, mm -hmm. to make manufacturing strong in the U.S. That's yeah. right. And we, we need to start capturing uh, the information, the knowledge uh, of, you know, the silver tsunami group as they start to exit. You know, I have certainly looked at the statistics um, as you go to 2025 
And this is supposed to be the largest exit for the baby boomer generation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a big gap to fill. They have a lot of information. It's, it's in their head or it's in the materials that they work around, but it needs to be captured in a way that can be easily digested by that next generation workforce that's coming up behind them. Which in all honesty ties into your point earlier about marketing, because these are, it's storytelling. That's what what they need to do is capture these amazing stories. These are fascinating experiences and they're going to serve, you know, be multi-purpose. They're going to educate that younger crowd coming in as far as this is an amazing opportunity, but also transfer that knowledge. You know, you can do the lessons they've learned over time and, and just some of these experiences that, you know, it's going to, it's multi-faceted purpose of just capturing those stories of these amazing um, individuals who've, who've served their time and, and are due for their retirement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, um, that let's make that something that we attempt to do here on this show. Let's look for, if anybody is listening and they know some great people with great stories, especially women or folks that have been working, maybe are diverse and are kind of sort of those early adopters, the early entry into manufacturing that aren't a traditional, um, what we think of as a traditional manufacturer, let us know. We'd, we'd love to have a wonderful conversation with them. Um, right. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, Thank you both so much for this conversation. Well, thanks I think for sharing the article. Yeah, thank yeah. you. It was a great article. We'll put that link in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to get out of that. Um, we'll be touching on these topics, obviously, again, going forward into the future. And um, with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up, guys. All right. Thank thanks you. A lot. See you next time. Yeah. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.